Welcome to Sim Sunday's podcast. Once again, we're here with uh, this guest is one that I am super excited about. And unfortunately, this Tom, this is one that I wasn't able to attend. So I'm hoping that you got a couple of those questions that I gave you in on the interview. But how how would you say this one went? And oh, and who was this one with? <laughs> well, we had Morris Hebecker, who's founder of Rensport, which is one of the most highly anticipated sim racing games for years. I think the next iteration of Assetto Corsa is maybe uh, close competition, maybe tied for the most most like hotly anticipated new sim racing game um, coming out. Um, now, in, the interesting about Rensport, of course, is that we've seen it being raced at ESL R1. So there was quite a lot to discuss here about the, the like, how did you, how, how did Morris start uh, a racing game studio? Uh, he's going to publish it himself. Uh, they've already got a partnership with ESL before the game even comes out. How was that to manage? Like, did we mention the NFTs? Like, you know, all right. this sort of stuff. Like, <laughs> we kind of went into all of this stuff in, uh, in real detail. And he was fantastic. The answers he gave made so much sense and i think it's given a really clear picture of what rensport is about where it's going and you know what i love it i think it's really really adventurous i like that it's trying to do something new it's trying to break the mold um so yeah i really really enjoyed having this conversation with morris so uh thank you morris if you're listening uh, for taking the time to uh join us on the podcast and enjoy so morris Thank you so much for joining us on the Sim Sundays podcast. You are quite clearly incredibly busy um, because you founded a racing game. Where the hell do you start with creating your own racing game? There must be so much to it. Uh, definitely, yes. Uh, uh, to be honest, uh, if if uh, if I if I would know three years ago what it means to set up a company doing these kind of projects. Uh, I'm not sure if, if if I would start again because <laughs> I just had a call today with the team and I said, to be honest, there are so many things with that which definitely were not in my mind when when it, when it comes to creating these these kind of companies. But uh, yeah, and, but the good thing is in the beginning you always have the the division and the great idea and you always have the feeling, okay, that will be an easy way. So we have this fantastic idea. Let's start and uh, that's it. The world waits for us. Um, so, uh, but building a, a, a big company with all the structures, hiring the right people, uh, setting up the things, getting all the licenses and so on and so on. There's so many things. Uh, it's really a hard, hard uh, way, but it is worth to do, to be honest. Uh, and uh, yeah. yeah, what when it comes to the beginning, uh, there, yeah, there was an idea uh, which came into my mind when, when I... When I saw sim racing uh, on on Twitch and and, and YouTube, um, most of them were on iRacing, and I was really fascinated and said, "Oh, that's nice digital motorsport, great pictures, nice broadcast. Uh, um, what games uh, are around?" And there was a set door and so on. And then uh, I double checked a bit, and I got the feeling so maybe we can do something with these kind of games to. Uh, create a new sport on uh, uh, on on these kind of games, or, or f create something new for digital motorsport. And uh, then I realized, okay, maybe it's not that easy. So I, I know uh, uh, how publishers work, and I know how games industry work because I'm coming from the games industry. 
And uh, it was quite clear with the ideas we had in mind, uh, there is no way to come together with an existing publisher because they have definitely mm. other focus or other interest. And so then it was clear to say, okay, if we would realize the ideas we have in mind or if we really would bring it to life, then we have to create an own game. And uh, at this moment, uh, it was a bit like, okay, that's, that, that will be a long journey, but it also brings a lot of opportunities starting from scratch. Um, and so that's uh, how it started. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's nuts. It, it, it must be incredibly daunting when you first set out and you decide, right, we're going we're gonna to make a racing game. So I recently went to uh, the Game Developers Conference in San Francisco and I spoke to a lot of indie game studios and they had to have like five to seven people and they tell us about the process. They've got, you know, three programmers, a designer, and then they've got somebody who's doing, you know, the, the, the relationship with the publisher. And it was somebody that I spoke to um, quite a lot was the founder of Circuit Superstars, um, Carolina Mastretta. And they're a, they're a very small team, five to seven people, and they make this kind of top-down racing game. But there's just so much to do. And, you know, when you look at Rensport, you've got licensing of the cars and then licensing of the tracks. And I want to get into all of this. And I've got some questions about the cars, about the tracks, about the licensing process, because I'm just genuinely interested. And I think a lot of people listening will, will be very interested in the, the mechanics of how you go about creating a new game. Because we've not had a new game that's, this scale, I would say, for quite a long time. So it'll be interesting to see this kind of up-to-date view of how you go about building it. But before, before all of that, I'd love to learn the story of, of how you got to where you are now. So you don't, not, not just anybody can just be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll do a racing game. I'm sure I can find the, <laughs> the millions of pounds and the talented people to, to design it and program it. I'm, oh, yeah, and I've got some friends at, at Porsche and Mercedes and I can get the licensing. Like, there's clearly a whole raft of experience and stuff that you've done in the past, which has led you to be at this point where you're the best person to create Rensport as the concepts exist today. So if we can go back to the first time you would say you were doing a role, which is now contributing towards Rensport as it is now. So back in the past, the jobs that you were previously doing that are relevant to Rensport. Yeah, to be honest, uh, I would say 95% of my working life uh, is related to the games industry. So uh, um, I had one year before I start in the gaming industry uh, when, I, when, I, when I worked for a nut gaming company and that was Black & Becker. They are doing all the machines, you know, from, from <laughs> yeah. homes. That's uh, so random. <laughs> so uh, I, I had a one-year contract there and they tried... Uh, um, to hire me uh, for for a longer time, and uh, I, I said no. At the end, I said, "Okay, no." It was it was a great journey, and it was really interesting working together. Um, and at this time, uh, um, a, a former colleague uh, called me and said, "Hey, I'm working for a gaming company, uh, and we are hiring. Uh, would you be interested uh, to be part of this crazy team?" And I said, "Oh, what gaming industry? What the hell are you doing there?" And they explained a bit, and then they invited me. Uh, and I said, wow, that's, that's great. And there was Acclaim Entertainment at these days. It was mid-90s. Um, uh, they had an office here in Munich and the company grows a lot. I think it was the first listed Nasdaq uh, gaming company. Uh, a lot of great titles uh, and everything worked perfect. So things 
sold by their own. I have no idea why they needed marketing or sales department <laughs> at these days. So it was really just fun working there, to be honest. And uh, that was my starting point in the, in the gaming industry. And uh, after uh, leaving Acclaim, uh, I joined the Codemasters team. So I worked for Codemasters several years. Uh, and that was the first time that I really was in contact with games I really like. Uh, and that was mm. the Toka Racing. Uh, we at at this time, we um, we released uh, DTM Racing and a lot of great racing games. We had Colin McRae Racing and so on. And at this uh, time, I really fell in love with, with racing games. And uh, to be honest, it's the only genre uh, in the gaming area which I really, I really love uh, extremely. Um, and uh, um, after after working for Codemasters several years, I, I quit and uh, decided, hey, I would like to, to set up my own publisher. Um, and that was, I think, the first crazy idea in my life. Uh, and I took all, all the money I got from the share options I had from Codemasters and all the all the, the, the saved money I had and then I put it in this in this small company. Uh, and I set uh, up uh, these, these small publisher in 2004 or five, I think. Um, and luckily, uh, it, it, it went quite well. So we, we could uh, sign a lot of great projects. We uh, could sign uh, um, yeah, a lot of great studios. Um, and uh, that was really also a super exciting time. And I uh, built this company over years. Until I would say 2015, uh, and then I was a bit bored of all the gaming things. Uh, over the time, we also start developing uh, mobile games and and all these things. And then I was out of the gaming industry for two three years uh, with other uh, projects uh, I was interested in, and then I. Uh, yeah, as I said, uh, I, I saw iRacing, I saw broadcast of, of digital motorsport. I was in contact for another project with one of the automobile companies. And so it starts uh, to, yeah, <laughs> to, to come up uh, with the idea, hey, come on, let's do something. And it would be great to start from zero, build a team, build a complete new uh, game. And that was the starting point, I would say 2019, 2018. Uh, for the Rensport project. And to be honest, you, you, you said it uh, before, handling all the things, you can't imagine what it means when you are just, and in the beginning, we were just two or three in, 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 in the team. And I had some guys working for me from another company of mine. So just helping us, contacting all the licensing guys, building up relationships to the automotive partners, starting to build a, a studio, hiring external partners for, for content, other things. Doing building this uh, network of things uh, with just two or three was for the first 12, 16 months really a hard, hard, hard job, and it took a lot of money and energy. To be honest, it's um, it's a really interesting business uh, model. A kind of a, a every business, every gaming uh, business like yours that wants to achieve this kind of scale. You kind of inherently you, you can't avoid risk, right? Because you have to build such a huge team. You have to invest so much time in developing the content, um, the, the the content and the um, 
the the relationships and the licenses before you can even get to testing right so you have to put in a huge amount of time and money before you really know if you're you know to use a phrase building something people want so what was that like was there an element when you were kind of you know six months 12 months in and obviously there was still nothing to play yet where you were like oh we've put a lot this really has to work now uh, definitely and, and i think there are always kind of milestones when you when you when you look back over the last three years there were always some kind of milestones um first of all we we, we started uh really writing uh and and um game design document really being prepared and bringing together all our ideas and really showing uh, potential dev guys joining us what we are really planning to do and then it, it's always creating presentations for your idea just making slides and then we decide okay it would be great to do a kind of trailer to explain a bit what it means to create digital motorsport and so on and uh, yeah, this time you are thinking about all these steps because creating a trailer at this moment and we said, ah, when we do it, we have to make a high quality trailer. At this, it was a cost 12,000 euros, something like this. But it was okay. That's a huge part of our amount for the next uh, six months. Um, and then the next moment was really, okay, uh, we showed the project to several partners. They said, yeah, we are interested. But to be honest, you just have some slides. You have no studio. You have no team. You have no mm. licenses. You have nothing. To be honest, we love your idea, Morris, but come back when you have signed things and when you are more stable and when you could show things. And then you always have this time frame where you think, okay, that is now really hard and the risk is really fucking high. And you have yeah. to spend all your money to deliver something, not only having the slide, you have to deliver something. And that was the first decision to say, okay, we invest a bigger amount of money in a small team to create a prototype, really to show the game, to show what we are, what we li like, what we would like to do. And therefore you need minimum one or two cars and you need one racetrack. Uh, and I remember I, took, uh, I spoke to, to, to the racetracks and I said, okay, you could, you could be the first one, but I have no guarantee that the game will ever be there because we are just working on, on a showcase or on a tech presentation. Would it be okay for you if you create the racetrack and uh, if uh, uh, we show it uh, in, in, on our own risk? We know we do not have a license, but just to, to have something. And um, that's the way it always works. So then we could create the, 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 the prototype and we showed it to some partners and they said, wow, you are able to create it and here's the game, we can drive it. And then we showed it some, to some real-world drivers and they, they, they drove it in, uh, in the simulator and they said, hey, it feels really good. What the hell have we done in, in just uh, uh, seven months and with that kind of small team? And so we had always these milestones and... Uh, yeah, it's interesting to talk about uh, because, uh, yeah, always a lot of risk and then you could show something, people trust you, jump in, and then you could do the next step and the next step. So that's how it worked over the last years. Yeah, and it's absolutely fascinating, especially in the in the gaming world, because you kind of, you know, when you're when you're pitching this this game to people and you're pitching in order so that you can get a publishing deal and you can get some funding so that you can go and build it, 
there's a point before the game is built where they truly are investing in an idea. Okay, so there's nothing to play yet. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing concrete, as you said, there's no licenses. So they're investing their money, they're essentially gambling based on the strength of a concept and an idea. And that fascinates me. And it's, and it, you know, because game game investment is inherently always pre-revenue. You're not investing in a company that is making money because they haven't even made the game, which will make the money in the future. So it's it's like super, super high risk. So when you're going to, to publishers and investors, et cetera, with, with Rensport, the project, if you could boil it down, what was the key concept that you were really pitching? Because they, they will know that, Formula One exists, a set of course exists, iRacing exists, and you have to prove right away that what you're doing is different. So what was that key differentiator that you put forward to these people? For me, what was always super clear what is different in our project, uh, but when it comes to create a presentation just with five or six slides and explaining it, and uh, worst case, without having the chance talking about, just sending it to a, to a person, then it's really hard to create it, to be honest. Um, and uh, at the end, I'm I'm not hundred percent sure if we today have the perfect presentation for the project we are working on. I'm always from time to time got the got the feeling we have to work on our presentation because I've got the feeling we are not hundred percent on on the point what we would like to uh, to to explain. And 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 we definitely work on our presentation every quarter because there's always something to adjust and, mm. and, and the presentation gets better and better. In the beginning, there were, there were several things. I think we had a very, very, very early, a very, very strong um, team on board, which a lot of um, people from the gaming industry, a lot of experience in the gaming industry when it comes to our CTO, work for Ubisoft and Massive, then when it comes to our licensing guy in in the US with Adam, he worked for uh, Activision and, uh, and 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 then for a very long time for for Microsoft. Um, so he was involved in the in the uh, Sforza uh, uh, franchise and so on. Um, I think these very senior management team and also a part um, um, from the automotive industry, from the motorsport sector, really giving us all the experience we we really needed to to create uh, the digital motorsport we would like to have and which is really good for, for the automotive partners and so on. So the one thing definitely was creating a good, good team, senior team, experienced team, and then explaining your vision in the best possible way, which is not always easy. No, 100%. And I, I can completely re- relate to that. Um, you know, our business as well, Good Finder, we don't make any money and we're raising a second round based on the vision and team. And it's really interesting that you're talking about um, about the the strength of the team. So it sounds to me like you've, you've put together this team of experts who get the space, they get sim racing, they get motorsport, they get gaming. And I want to get onto some stuff about what we're actually doing here in terms of like ESL and stuff, because it's all fascinating to me. Um, but it's it's interesting that it sounds like the key value proposition that you were selling to investors is essentially the concept of your racing game, but more than that, the team that you've got. So it's basically saying, look, I have this incredible team that I've got all this talent. We get motorsport with this vision aligned with this team. We can create something. And actually, most companies, their first vision is is not actually that similar to what they end up 
pushing out because a good company will constantly test and adjust and test and fail and test and fail and test and fail <laughs> and be very you know willing to fail at, at tests in order to be able to constantly adjust to to what the market wants so have there been points along this journey in the last couple of years where the vision has kind of altered with either feedback from publishers or feedback from users or even feedback from within your own team when you're looking at the market? Yeah. Um, first, we are not that close with any publisher because we are we will self-publish the game, definitely, um, with maybe a strong platform behind, which we'll use, but uh, at mm. the end we will self-publish. So there's no publisher invested in, in our overall project. Uh, but you're... 100% right. Uh, you start with the vision and then you always uh, optimize what, what you have in mind. Sometimes you get feedback from the community that they say these are that parts are not interesting uh, for us. And, 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 and we had it in, in, in our concept as a very strong part we definitely need. Um, on the other hand, to be honest, we're working on the project since four years. The market changed mm. extremely. Um, yeah, uh, and, and, and you had a super hype with all these uh, blockchain NFT stuff and so on. And during the overall process, um, when we start, we didn't have it on mind. For example, we start with the idea um, and we said in our ecosystem, each car will have his own identity, his own number, his own fin number. So, uh, so that we can create digital twins of real-world cars in, in all the ways you could imagine. That was a dream of mine, bringing real-world cars in the digital world and having them there forever. Um, so, mm. And that was the base idea. We created uh, very, very early, four years ago. We have old slides and sometimes we, we bring them out and we say, okay, the, the main ideas are all on these slides. Several things changed a bit, how we will um, use it from technical side or how we are how we will handle it, but the main ideas are still there. So creating this environment where you have unique items, which you, which you cause most of the time, um, which you could combine with sporting, where you can build history and on the same time really start building a digital motorsport league with ESL R1, which is the pinnacle of our sporting system. So it's a super complex thing. And that's what mm. I said, when you start presenting your idea, they all said, hey, it, it's okay for us when you create a game, but what, what the hell are you talking about? It's, there are so many other things. Do you really think you could do it? It's super complex. And we said, yeah, but that's the chance to do the next level or create really a, a new genre, which is maybe not a racing game in 10 years, which is a car enthusiast environment or whatever. Um, and which enables us to connect real world with digital world and so on. And to be honest, we are not talking about an NFT game or something like this. The, the, the platform we have could handle all this stuff without any blockchain or NFT. Um, I wouldn't say that there, that there will be uh, business cases for NFTs and blockchain also in the gaming industry in the future. To be honest, there will be there, but we are not planning with that in, at at the moment not internally only. yeah and of course you know i was i was obviously gonna kind of get on to to that and i think you know there's the whole roller coaster i think that Rensport has been through with the nfts i think a lot of people thought okay that's a great idea but then a lot of people there is there is you know not just Rensport uh, and not even just gaming but there is kind of widespread skepticism i think with, with a lot of people uh, when it comes to nfts and blockchains and and, and it's not 
Rensport's fault or gaming's fault. It's just the fact that there's a lot of scams in NFTs. There's a lot of horror stories, and of course, the crypto market has crashed. And so there's, there's there is a little um, skepticism there. But so I don't really want to go into into that in too much detail because I think it's very obvious what the opportunities were and are still in the future with NFTs and digital twins of cars. And like that, that, that's it's a freaking awesome concept. The idea of being able to have a single car that has a unique identity that you can transport around different tracks maybe even different games you can trade them it, it makes total sense i don't think anybody would dispute that so but so what i do want to ask then is when rensport.gg went up and you had that phrase in there digital ownership and twitter blew up and there was a lot of debate there's a lot of people saying oh it's an nft game it's a scam blah 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 blah, blah. like how does that feel because I have absolutely no doubt in my mind. And I think most reasonable people have no doubt in their mind that what you were doing was trying to come up with a really cool idea that people would love. But obviously there was, there was a lot of backlash. So how did, it, how did that feel when you saw that? There was, we were in the stealth mode for a very long time. And at a certain point we said, okay, we have to show the game uh, because we were hiring a lot at this moment. And it was really hard because people say, where's your project? What the hell are you doing? We cannot find you. And we said, okay, now that's that's the moment to to release a website and, and show that we are there and, and really explain a bit what the what the project is. For me, it was totally clear at this moment uh, when we are not in the stealth mode again. We it, it will stop that we can work super relaxed, that we can have our idea, bring teams together, creating our thing. Um, then your uh, your official there and to be honest we released the website and it was really late at 10 o'clock 11 o'clock at night i came home and i said to me okay well now it's out and and then i made a huge mistake uh, i jumped on the internet and i double checked a bit what happened on on all the channels and so on and to be honest uh there were things like Another NFT scam shit. They they try to raise money with just two slides, and all the guys wrote, writing this couldn't imagine that we work on these things since two and a half years, day and night. A lot of people, and really, I start writing, "You're fucking asshole. What do you think you are? We are working on this since such a long time. What is in your mind that you really send out these kind of posts?" But then I stopped and I said, no, I cannot start doing these things. It will be there forever and, and people will not <laughs> stop reacting on this. But uh, I, I really, it was for me, um, yeah, it was uh, a strange uh, feeling. Uh, it was clear. You always get some weird feedback when, when you start mm. a project. Uh, but it was uh, when, you, when you were in uh, this project for such a long time, it's, it's for sure a baby. And then you feel, okay, you have to protect it. And then and you're not happy when you read these kind of things. But over time, all good. Um, uh, and yeah, and, and on the other hand, to be honest, it's super fair. We come from zero. No one knows us as a publisher. No one knows us uh, as a game developer, as a developing studio, whatever. And we pop up and, and say, hey, we will do the next big thing in racing. It's also, yeah. Okay, you could be skeptical, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's ambitious. It is really ambitious, which I think is is exciting. And I and I do think that there is a a, a psyche, a mentality, a group of people who will always criticize somebody who's got um, who, who's got ambition. Um, 
And I think it would be almost, you were saying there that you were responding to the, the tweets, you know. I stopped writing. Really quite I like emotional. Yeah. Oh, you didn't actually send no, them. I didn't okay, send interesting. Yeah. Honest, I, yeah. I, write, <laughs> I write several times, then I stopped and not send it. Um, I, I rewrite and I, I made it better and better. And at the end, I felt really good. Uh, and then I said, no, I will not send it. It, it, yeah, it makes yeah, no sense. Yeah. Well, the, it would be impossible to suppress emotion about like, like any startup, any startup founder is so emotionally attached to their, to their startup, because as you clearly know, it's your whole world. When you do one of these startups, it becomes your identity. Your, you know, you were saying you wanted to create cars with digital twins. I kind of think the startup founders are almost like the, their startup is a digital twin of themselves. Like you're so intimately connected with what it is you're building so if somebody criticizes it, it there's it's very difficult to not take that personally i would say no, uh, uh, yes but on the other hand you have to be professional uh if someone criticizes all oh, good i said we come from zero and then it's mm. i think it is uh, as you as you say tom uh, you at this moment you know exactly what it means so you you know you work at this project since three years you invested a lot of your private private money so because you believe in the, in the idea and to be honest i'm not the youngest of us i'm 50 plus and i have two young kids at home and that's to be honest the the, the biggest thing for me i always think about okay you're working so many hours you're you're sitting in the office you're with your team and so on and this time you don't have for for your kids at home and that's i think the, the biggest invest you, you give in, in the overall project, uh, deciding that most of your time is for the company uh, at the moment. Uh, and then if you then read these kind of things where, where people write bullshit, knowing nothing about me or the project or whatever, that makes you, yeah, that, that makes you angry, to be honest. But uh, yeah. it's okay. I think, uh, yeah, and, and I want to move on, but I honestly think it's a, it's a symptom of like a, of a really good founder because you're so passionate i think I, I don't know you'd have to be a robot i think to detach yourself from from that sort of kind of emotive criticism and anyway so I, you know i i think the digital ownership idea in racing 100 percent has a place it's coming it's going to be a thing like whether whether people like it or not like the, the digital ownership nfts blockchains there's huge advantages to it i think it's i think it's coming and i can clearly see the benefits um for for racing games and, to, and i'm excited to, to, because why not test it why not try why it not let's see it. let's see <laughs> to be honest tom when when you look at the the old sim racing world uh, and when it comes to all these big ips uh, automotive companies ferrari uh, bmw and mm. so on blockchain uh, digital ownership however you handle it from technical side will completely change the situation when it comes to licensing and possibilities to sell their own brand and be involved in this process yeah. um so this is this will create such a great new universe and for the for for the customers as well so they can own the goods and then digital twins all the things you could do for me that's uh that will be amazing what we will see over the next five ten years uh, when it comes yeah to kind of things yeah i think it, i i i i fundamentally believe it's it's uh, an issue of timing more than anything else in a more macro sense in the term it, it, it generally consumers have gone on a kind of up and then down when it's come to nfts and and then that's just reflected in all of um, any project which because the other the other thing is and i said i wasn't going to keep going on about this but the thing is, the thing about 
blockchain NFT technology is that it doesn't have to define a game. It doesn't have to be like a game that has this capability with built within it. So the digital twins of cars, right? That doesn't have to define the game. It can just be something that is enhancing the experience within the game, which is also great for a number of other reasons. So it's not, you know, it's not like if you don't like NFTs, you won't like this game. You don't even have to know that they're NFTs. You just get to experience the advantage of the functions that it gives you. Exactly. And, and to be honest, uh, when it comes to Rensport, you could split completely the digital ownership world we create on our platform from, from, from the pure racing game. Uh, so mm. if, it, if it comes to a point, we, we, we could say, okay, there, there's a great racing game we create connected to our platform and there's an overall digital ownership world uh, connected to our platform and all available on the mobile device and so on. Um, so if a customer or a user says, hey, digital ownership is nothing I would like to have. I, I do not want uh, uh, to be involved in any digital ownership thing. He can use Rensport just as a game as it is. Uh, so it is open. But I'm quite sure every person who will try it and, and really um, understand a bit what value is in these kind of things will love yeah. it in the next years, definitely. And to be honest, the most important thing is that a product shows the value of the idea uh, and how you could work with it. Uh, and then people have to trust the overall idea and, and what they what they get. And then it it's yeah. it's clear and and it's frustrating that people criticize before they get to experience the additional benefits that they get from from using this system it's that that the old phrase is if you ask people a hundred years ago how they'd like to get around better they'd have said i want a faster horse not i want a car because cars work they didn't know you know the benefits of, of, of what a car was they didn't know that it existed so exactly. you know what i say i say, I say you know screw the haters be adventurous i'm going to move on because i think we could talk about this for the whole podcast but um talking of adventurous uh one of the big things that you splash on the website is the fact that you're going to be racing uh that the racing platform will be built on unreal engine 5 now some people listening will know what that is some people won't um it's essentially a, a graphics engine I, I, luckily at um gdc i got to see a demonstration of what they were building with it and it was insane but let's go a level like higher so what? Like, what does this mean for 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 drivers who are going to be playing the game? What what will they get to experience with Unreal Engine five that they wouldn't with just another like a graphics engine? Like, why why is this something that you want to shout about? So we started with Unreal Engine four, uh, and we made our uh, tech uh, showcase on Unreal Engine four. And when we decided really to start the full production uh, for Rensport. Uh, very early, uh, we, we we talked to the to the Unreal guys and said, okay, is it possible to to jump on Unreal Five at this moment? And I said, okay, you will have a lot of problems, but if you jump now on Unreal Five, all the options are with you over the next ten years, and that's exactly what we also ha had on, uh, which was also our feeling that we said, okay, if we now take the risk and jump on Unreal Five, it will pay out in two, three, four years. Um, and to be honest. Unreal 5 will create an outstanding graphic when it, when it comes just to the simulation or to the broadcast uh, we, we are creating out of the game. Unreal 5, on the other hand, opens up a lot of options for us when it comes to business-to-business -business relationships and, and working with partners. Uh, look, the, the, most of the automobile uh, companies uh, having their car creators 
uh, they they offering to our customers um, based on Unreal Five. So if you if you build your own car, at the end you get an Unreal Five rendering of the of the car you build, and and that should motivate you to 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 do, to buy the car. And to be honest, it's not that far away to do the next step and say, okay, take take the Unreal Five. Uh, model we have and bring it to Rensport and, and, and have it on Rensport. So um, same with, with all the movie uh, uh, things. So most of the things there are created in Unreal environment. So, and and, and, and you said it, uh, what, what Unreal showed on, on PC, it's amazing when it comes building environments and so on. And as you know, um, modding and modding tools are a very, very important part of the overall Rensport idea. And to be honest, I deeply believe um, that will have uh, when it, when it comes to digital ownership and, and blockchain, it, it it is this new world where we say, okay, let's look back in five years, which doors it opens and, and which great experience it brought to the customer. And I think the same we will have with the possibility of Unreal Five, which will be massive, um, which may be some parts of AI, and then which um, massive. Possibilities we will have for modders or other guys creating uh, worlds for for not only Rensport, other games as well. So I think that will be also uh, a, a huge huge part of, of 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 our project and also for the future when it comes to to, to gaming. So creating um, content from from the modding community will be a, a big big part uh, for all games and uh, for us as well. Yeah, that that's. Uh, I mean, the 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 benefits are, are clear as day. There, the enhanced graphics from a user point of view, being able to see something which looks a lot more more realistic. Um, like these games are beautiful. Let's be fair. The the videos that we've seen so far look great. So the Unreal Five uh, renderings that I've seen um, so far are absolutely incredible. I hadn't really thought about the the op options that it um, opens with with partners who are already creating Unreal Five, and that that's really interesting. And mods. I completely agree. Assetto Corsa is legendary amongst sim racers. It's 15 years old. It's being kept alive by mods. And it's it's so important to, to embrace that. Definitely, definitely. And uh, also, this was uh, a vision we had from the beginning, creating a, a great mod environment. And that's what I learned over my, my past years in with my own company. Uh, the most successful title we released there were games where you had a very strong modding part and uh, where mm. the community really can create content for the game you have. And um, for me, it's always uh, there, there, are, there are three, I would say, pillars over time in, in the gaming industry. You have the early years where you had these huge studios creating content for a game. Uh, and uh, all paid by by the publisher or by the team, and then you you had the area where where the community and the sandbox games were there. That so the community creates all the content for the games, but had no chance to monetize what they did. So the, the publisher sold the the base, the game, and the, the I would say the community content was always pushing the game, but not pushing the monetization in the in the, in the community. And that's a thing we definitely also have in Rensport and as uh, a milestone on our platform that we will not be giving the tools to create very easy the, the, the content, also bringing content on the platform and be able to monetize what you have, what you have done. 
Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, that's that's going to be really interesting to see how that how that works, how that plays out, um, and presumably that will kind of become will kind of get fa- phased in um, over time um, through the roadmap. Now, talking of the roadmap, um, there's been so, some chat about um, the choice of cars that you started with on Rensport. So. You know the phrase again. It's 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 lazy. It's tiresome. But people say it's it's another GT3 game. And clearly, <laughs> you already have, you only have to look at the website to see this is clearly not only another GT3 game. But and, and I know that I so I was re- um, doing a lot of research and speaking to the guys at Traction GG. And during one of the interviews with them, you said about that potentially looking at open wheelers, historic cars, um, etc. Um, so my question isn't: Is this going to be another GT3 game? Because clearly, it's not. But why start with GT3 um, cars? And and when you decided that you were going to start with GT3 cars, did you expect people to kind of say, oh, it's another GT3 game? It was clear. And and, and, and uh, when we decided to do it, uh, it was also clear. Uh, that, uh, all people said to me, uh, you're fucking stupid. Uh, the biggest competitor you have, or one of the competitors are set to call them, they, they did such a great GT3 game. And I said, yeah, you're right. Maybe not super clever what we are doing here. But uh, um, on the <laughs> well, other hand, honest. to be honest, uh, we were super close uh, with ESL, as you said, and, and with the automobile partners from the beginning. Um, we always had in our vision to create this sporting and uh, start with ESL R1. Uh, and therefore, it was quite clear with all the feedback from the partners and so on, they would like to have something where they all could come together. And GT3, mm. to be honest, was the best way bringing them together, creating a sporting environment. But uh, as I said several times, um, this was just uh, the starting point for us. So we will have concept cars, we will have uh, uh, history cars, open wheelers, um, for me, I would like to have all the uh, historical cars which are in, in museums out there and bringing them into, into the games and connecting them with the digital ownership. But yeah, and so on, you could imagine there are so many, many things you could do. Um, this is the part of the game uh, where, to be honest, I would love to sit the whole day with the team and just creating ideas and talking about what could be the next step. The fun bit, um, right? Talking about which game, uh, which, which car would you like to have next and so on. And they will, we will, we will um, do a keynote on the on the summit in, in June this year. And to be honest, at this uh, uh, summit this year, last year we started with the drivers and we, we we showed the game to the drivers first and 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 got their feedback. And this year definitely we will start uh, to tell the story what we are planning with all the modding things, uh, with all the content mm. things and so on. Uh, and there we definitely will tell a bit more uh, when when what kind of content uh, will be in the yeah in the way. yeah and any um i suppose the you, you've mentioned open wheelers um, you've mentioned historic cars um so we're looking at like a seto corsa there and r factor 2 does does a bit but what about um for like our american listeners especially uh, oval racing or dirt rally etc any kind of ambition to go into into that space or does it not fit the the, the brand to be honest i love rally games because colin mcgray was uh, uh, the yeah. thing where we started uh, half an hour ago uh, i love uh, rally games and uh, i would love uh, to have a rally segment of rent sport uh, definitely um 
I don't know if I could say it, but uh, yeah, we have a modding track in Rensball at the moment, and we are working, tweaking the physics in this way that we have our own uh, rally rally part there, and uh, we are on a quite good way to be honest, far away to release a, a special mm -hmm. uh, rally part or whatever. But um, yeah, that are all things uh, I would love to have uh, in Rensball over time, definitely. Well, it sounds like it's this is this is a foundation upon which you'll build over the next 10, 15 years, as right. opposed to you're not. This isn't a franchise coming out every year, so the, the possibilities are therefore um, endless. And just talking about content, and I, I want to go on to um, the ESL R1 um, tournament and and the you know the, the beta and blah 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 blah. But before we do, I just like to chat about content a little bit. Um, there's four tracks available on Rensport at the moment, or not available, obviously, that, that have been built for yeah. the testers. Uh, you've got the Goodwood um, Hill Climb, Hockenheim Ring, Nurburg Ring, and Spa. My question is, how do you catch up with your competitors? Because building these tracks takes time. You, you know, the iRacing does these incredible laser scans that takes a lot of time, a lot of money. They, you know, then they have to build them into the game. You have to create the graphics, etc. So th these aren't small tasks. And obviously, iRacing comes out with new tracks all the time. ACC is bringing out DLC packs, etc. So how do you intend to kind of catch up? I suppose because you, you're going to have to. Ha and I don't know if you have a number in mind of how many tracks you think you need as a minimum for launch, but it's probably more than four. Definitely, we cannot uh, release <laughs> the game with with four race tracks. Um, yeah, um, Rensport is definitely an ongoing game as a service project. So from the lease on, uh, uh, there will be added content all the time, constantly. And to be honest, yeah, that's one thing. If you start from zero, you cannot start with 100 racetracks or 400 mm. cars or whatever. Um, we definitely will have a reasonable amount of, of, of racetracks and cars uh, by beginning of next year. And next year, definitely, we will start uh, to give the, ga the game behind the beta. So I, I wouldn't say it's a release, but uh, yeah, a kind of release. And there, at this point, there will be a reasonable uh, amount of racetracks there and also cars. So we are working hard. Um, uh, and we are getting better and better, really, when it comes to creating cars on the level we would like to have them. So if you have a look on the on the trailer of the cars, they are modded in such a high detail you haven't seen before when when it comes to 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 racing games. So we have a super high level um, um, when when it comes to cars and race tricks. Um But definitely, yeah, that will be a thing where we will have to speed up a bit and also where we not will have the amount of racetracks as iRacing has for the next two, three years. Definitely not. Um, I'm quite sure uh, all the possibilities and the tools when it comes to modding will help us a lot to, to scale with the content. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, we also from our in-house development uh, will bring uh, a lot of new racetracks over the next months. And to be honest, with the, with the summit in June, uh, we definitely will have uh, four or five new cars we will show there and also new racetracks. Exciting times. Okay, cool. So let's talk about the, the beta itself. What's the process? What process have you chosen and, and why? And, and how's it going? So um, definitely the process we will, we will have when we start with the beta. And to be honest, that's uh, the next big thing where we all are focused on 
um, because we definitely know there are so many people on the wait list uh, uh, and uh, that's the only thing we, we have in our Discord channels all the time that they ask, okay, all, all nice, all good what you're doing there, but uh, when could we have uh, the beta? And that's, we heard it, to be honest, um, but uh, we, we need our time, we need to, to make it ready. Um, and uh, the overall team is really focused uh, to 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 finalize the beta. We would we would like we would like to to release as soon as possible. And to be honest, wait till the summer. Then I think there we can show exactly how it will look like and uh, when it will be ready. Uh, and I'm quite sure it will not be that far away. Yeah, and it must be it must be like a really tricky kind of like PR process almost to kind of keep managing people's expectations yeah. because you want people to be constantly excited about what's coming out. And in order to do that, they have to either see new content or even better, actually be able to um, to play it themselves. So give us like a bit of a behind the scenes look into the point at which you decided to delay the public beta. Yeah. So obviously it was going to be out earlier this yeah. year and then um, the decision was made that you were going to delay it. And, and obviously I'm going to, I'd like to chat about um, the, the R1 event as well and how that ties into this timeline. But give us a, a bit of a sense of how what the team were going through at the point at which you decided to delay that public beta. Um, to be honest, uh, what we are doing here is uh, really different to all the productions we did before. Um, normally, you have a, a production line or developing milestone where you really focus on the game and you do several things at a certain point. And when it comes to stage, whatever, you start optimizing the game for alpha, beta, whatever. So you have a very clear pipeline uh, where the team could follow. What we are doing here, and it was clear to us, but in reality, it's always a bit different if you, if you go a new way. We are on a developing pipeline for, for Rensport and the beta. And then at a certain point, we open up a, a second pipeline where we said a part of the team will just focus on uh, creating uh, the, the sporting game for ESL1. We definitely need because uh, um, we have this February event and there we have to be ready. So we have the big stage there. We have uh, 48 drivers, the best drivers of the world. We have broadcast there. We have ESL R1 there. We cannot fuck up with our, with our game. And to be <laughs> honest, the pressure was really high. Um, and so we switched several uh, team members to, to the sporting part, really to make sure that we are ready in February. And at the end, what should I tell you? So people switched there, um, cost of time on the other side. And, uh, um, but at a certain point, we decided, um, okay, then we have to have the beta later. But what we always say internally, when we give something out to the sporting, to ESL or to, to our community, we will do it the best way possible we can deliver. And uh, we don't feel comfortable in February. We, there was a chance to release, but we said, oh, there are several parts where we maybe could have a problem, we decide, okay, we will not take the risk. We only have one chance to give it to, to the mm. community. Uh, and therefore, we would like to do it as good as possible. And there was also the, the idea to say, okay, we give just a single player to you for just three, four months. And then we all said, 
said, ah, just having a single player is not really motivating over time. And what helps us if the community says, hey, it was fun for two weeks. It was nice using the single player. What's going on? Where's the server? Where can we? Where, where can we? When can we play online? And we said, okay, let let's do it right, and let's do it uh, really good. And therefore, we decide to uh, uh, have the beta later. And to be honest, discussion with our communication team was a nightmare for me because they they hate me because I'm totally open to to us. And at the end, they were all killing me because I'm always talking too much. But uh, in December, they. they they said, yeah, you said we will we'll do it beginning of, of January. How should we explain? Then avoid to say anything and so on. So now, to be honest, we, we have a quite uh, exact date when we plan to have the beta. And it, to be honest, it's really not that far away. But they said to me, you will not say anything uh, when it comes to date <laughs> or whatever. So uh, sorry for that. <laughs> No, no, it's, do you know what, the, it's, it's really interesting kind of hearing the rationale, because actually, it kind of makes a lot of sense. If you get an opportunity like ESL R1, blending traditional esports with sim racing in order to help elevate the whole of sim racing, and obviously, at Rensport being the pinnacle of that, then th that seems like a really logical thing to, to kind of prioritize. It comes out uh, with, with consequences, which is for the for the beta. So that that does make sense. But what it's left is a really interesting state where you have a game which is being played by esports drivers being watched by sim racing fans but not Rensport players which is really interesting and and we've spoken about this actually to a couple of guests um on the podcast in in the past and when we kind of when it when Rensport cuz you know Rensport is has made a huge splash in the last year I think probably 30% of our podcast episodes at least mentions Rensport or, or really? the guests have like an opinion on Rensport. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, I mean, of course, you you listen to all of the podcasts, right? <laughs> right. Um, I, I, yeah, 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 sure. But maybe I missed this. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's very, very quick. Um, so, but there's a couple of things that come out of those conversations. And there's a theory, not, well, not a theory. A theory makes it sound like a conspiracy. But something I was thinking about um, about the way that the the game has come out in terms of it's come out for esports first and then it will be your beta and then launched is that actually you have an incredibly committed talented and technically able testing team i.e all the teams that are competing right so you, you have you have this kind of you have the best sim racers in the world testing your game and giving you feedback before the launch so are there any would you say that that's kind of like a silver line of the way this has worked out or and are there any other silver lines have there been uh, yeah, any other yeah. benefits that uh, you found there are definitely two things and we discussed it a lot um there's i would say the thing or the way we decided to go uh, starting with the sporting uh having the best drivers on the world and the best teams on the world on our platform that creates a lot of pressure for us to be honest on the other hand the feedback was so straight uh, when it comes to frames per second, when it comes to other things and so on. And that helps us a lot to improve very quick in several things. And uh, today I'm super happy with all the improvements we made over the last two months, I would say. And they wouldn't be possible without going this way. Um, on the other hand, I totally understand that that the community and that's the part why we are creating the game 
says, hey, come on, you're telling me uh, you we are community first and you're doing a new project for us. And then you yeah, give yeah. it to, to some super sports guys and they could have a super prize pool with that. Um, and we are not able to, to testing again. To be honest, super fair to say that. Um, but at a certain point, we decided what could be the right way. And we always said the sporting also has to start very early because it will take years and years to establish it, to be honest, mm. and, and to create this kind of sport. Um, so that we really decide very early to, to, to go this way with all the pros and cons. And uh, to 100% sure, uh, I could understand when parts of the community say, hey, come on, I, I don't like the idea that people on, on the top sporting can drive the game and we are not able to jump in. Um, I have no argument, but maybe one, I, I could say the beta we will give to the community at the end will be so much better than the beta we would have sent out without these uh, feedback and these learnings over the last months, to be honest. Mm. You're working. You're working that communications team hard, man. <laughs> giving them, a, giving them a, giving them a job there. It's um, it's really interesting to watch actually, because the obviously the first the first couple of rounds, uh, you look at the viewer numbers on Twitch um, and YouTube. The first couple of numbers, rounds of the ESL R1 tournament um, did really well because you had loads of people going into um, to essentially take a look at the game, take a look at how it's raced, take a how how look um, take a look at how. Uh, people can race together using the physics models and and then the the viewing numbers haven't necessarily kind of sustained those levels but you're still getting like you know um you get still getting viewers um for the ESL R1 do you think do you think those viewer numbers dropped after the first round because people like you said there because people can't relate to it because they can't drive it themselves do you think that's got anything to do with it I think there are several things. I think we have to learn how, uh, I would say there are a lot of things we can improve when it comes to, to the online broadcast and the online session. We did a, a lot of uh, improvements uh, or ESL did a lot of improvements. So I think the broadcast is getting better and better when it comes uh, to the online things. Um, we all know or knew it will be a hard way really to establish it. To, to find the, the right broadcast for the different uh, um, uh, um, for different uh, parts like like Twitch or YouTube or whatever. Mm. Um, so um, it will be a long way, um, and it was clear to us that it will not be easy over the last uh, over the first one two years. Uh, um, and, and definitely, I'm with you. When the game is ready and when you have the chance to jump in and play, I think uh, that will definitely give the next push for for the sporting as well and and, yeah, what, no, and, and, and what we definitely learned uh, but it's uh, not possible to finance at the moment uh if it if it comes to um to offline races like katowice or like we will have in, in munich mm. in, in june this is really this this is the game changer that's what the people would like to see and uh, for me at the biggest dream is when, when we are able the first time uh, really bring uh, or giving tickets to, to, to the community that they could be part of, of the, the summit racing in Munich or whatever. Um, and uh, I, I think these um, offline things, this is the thing which will help a lot to, to establish ESLR1 over, over the next years. 
and where we are working on to have more and more of these offline events. But therefore, we have to create the overall environment. We have to fi find the right sponsors and so on. But we are working on that. And uh, the ESL R1 uh, from this year is just a starting point, as it is uh, with the game as well. Yeah, of course. I mean, it, it, it's like any like any good business. You test, right? Everything is a test, and this is the first iteration of a um, of a tournament. So let's talk about ESL R1 just for a second, because I think uh, what you're doing with ESL R1 is taking sim racing in the right direction. So we in our in our office in, in Gridfinder we have. Uh, Nikhil, our CTO, and then Camille, our senior software engineer, Liam on marketing, and and Chris, our CIO, and they are all huge fans of traditional esports. Which sounds like a weird sentence, but you know, like CS:GO, um, Call of Duty, Dota, League of Legends, and so they have watched the growth of esports over the last five years and watched it explode. And they've seen what's worked, what hasn't worked, and what the esports community is getting right. And obviously, then they come to sim racing, and they've all done a bit of racing in the past, but not to the extent that, that we're now that they now do. Obviously, being part of Gridfinder, and they look at sim racing, and there's some clear lessons that we can learn. So at Gridfinder, we're trying to learn from esports, not from sim racing that exists already, because the the level that sim racing at at the moment is not huge; it's not sustainable. Whereas esports is kind of that's the level that we want to kind of um, catch up with. And so I was really excited when I saw the ESL. Uh, R1 tournament, obviously ESL face it being involved in in what you're doing, and more importantly, blending the teams, having sim racing teams and esport teams that compete in CS:GO, Dota, etc. together on the stage to essentially start to kind of say to the esports community, sim racing is here and it's also esports as opposed to sim racing is an offshoot of motorsport it's it's a very different distinction and actually um this episode will actually come out after this one but we just had spoke to to josh um martin uh, of uh, sim stuff who does a lot of um uh live events and uh, we were discussing how sim racing is like motorsport and gaming combined now I just got back from the SRO event at Monza where our team was competing and they very much focus on the motorsport side of that clash and they put the, the event in the paddock around the, the the race weekend. You 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 seem to, from, from my impression anyway, are focusing on the gaming side of that clash and you're putting your events at ESL's gaming events that already exist. So talk to us a little bit about that decision. Presumably that was totally conscious. That was a conscious decision to focus on the gaming market of sim racers rather than the, the motorsport side there there are several things so i would say um pushing it a bit more in the in the esport direction uh when it comes to the sporting rules was clear for us we said um if you establish a, a, a new digital mode of sport uh, uh we should try to have it in the way as the consumer would like to have it shorter races quicker decisions whatever all these things um then uh, we worked very close with esl from the beginning and that's what they learned over the over the last 20 years how it works uh, which team size how to promote the drivers and so on and to be honest when when we look at, at esl uh, they are super successful over the last years but they had 15 years where, where they fight it like hell to establish the idea they had 
to create the sport. And, and that's what I always say when people say, okay, now you start with DSL one models, but uh, there are not uh, 20,000 people or viewers uh, at the weekend. Yes, but we set the starting point and uh, we are willing to develop the game uh, with DSL together and, and the sporting. Um, and uh, it will take time. And let's talk about in three or four years. I'm quite sure if we are all strong enough and not losing uh, our idea and vision, we can create the right sport which really make digital motorsport better. And then for me, that was also a thing we had in mind from the beginning. You have to create real stars uh, in the community. We have to create stars and you have to create teams people like to follow. Um, no sport can exist without stars. And to be honest, uh, sim racing has no stars. Or oh, there are not, very few. Not if yeah, a few. But you 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 have uh, Max Benecke and and then you you have some names definitely. But and the, these guys were super successful. But uh, I'm talking about sports stars that they have 150,000 mm. followers or whatever. And therefore, you have to create the right environment and you have to create the right sport and the right stage. Everything has to come together to create these stars. It's not that there were not great sportsmen in the, in the past, but there wasn't the right environment to making them to stars, to be honest. And, and that's what we try to do, all these things, what we try to do to establish. Interesting. And do you think that the relationship that you have with... Um with with ESL is going to be and and kind of the way that you're combining your platform with their experience of broadcasting is going to be unique enough to break through the barrier that sim racing has had in terms of viewer numbers over the last five years do you do you think there's something there that you're going to create that's going to be this breakout moment where sim racing now fills stadiums in the same way that CSGO does um I'm quite sure there are several things. I'm quite sure when Rensport as a game will be successful, it will help because creating a great eSport, mm. you always need a platform or a game which is also successful. If Rensport will not deliver, DSL one Rensport will not work that great, to be honest. Uh, this is one thing. So Rensport has to deliver and has to be a successful platform and game over the next years. Um, also, uh, we have a lot of great ideas how we can really improve with the with the broadcast uh, and really make it more interesting, building more around the, the the sporting to make it a better product for for consumer at the end of the day. Morris, thank you very much. This has been absolutely fascinating, and I could honestly just talk for hours and hours and hours more. Um, I think. You probably said it in the first 30 seconds of this podcast. You said, the world waits for us. And I really think I really think the sim racing world, at least, is definitely waiting um, for Rensport with, with serious excitement and anticipation. And I think it's, you know, not being another GT3 game, not being another sim racing game, trying to do something different and, you know, pushing those boundaries of, you know, digital ownership. We're going to try it. Let's see if it works in our community. I think that's why people are excited to to, to try this game and get their hands on it. So, um, Morris, thank you very much for for joining me on the, the Sim Sundays podcast. It's been absolutely fascinating. Um, and I look forward to watching the rest of the journey. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Tom. It was great talking to you and see you soon. 
Well, Tom, I've got to say that, you know, even though it wasn't technically confirmed, so we don't know it's coming, the prospect of having Rally and just dirt racing in there makes me want this game even more because that's really what brought me to iRacing is the Rallycross and dirt experience over there. So if I could have two games that just give me great mm. dirt experiences, I'm so excited for that. I I, I hope, I hope, I hope yeah. that that actually comes to fruition. Well, yeah, like you say, he didn't confirm it. He did su suggest that there was some perhaps internal modding going on to kind of test it. So there's obviously some ambition there to do uh, rally dirt. You know, he spoke about oval and historic cars, you know, the tracks. Um, he, he said that there would be more than four tracks, which shocker. We kind of, kind of guess that that would probably the, uh, probably be the case. Um, but I think he hit the nail on the head when he said uh, right at the beginning of the podcast. He said the world waits for us, and I think the sim racing oh, world yeah. certainly is waiting for this game to come out. Um, and I was really, uh, I was really sympathetic towards his experiences with the NFT crypto blockchain uh, backlash that that happens well, because you know he's trying something new he's trying yeah. to be adventurous he's trying to build these digital twins of cars which is a really cool concept i it think is. it's just that the crypto world generally has a bad name and it kind well, of rubbed off yeah it got a bad name because of the garbage that we were trying to be fed by companies like ubisoft and yeah and you know the big game studios but there are ways that it can work i mean look at csgo out there with their weapon skins and how those mm. are really nfts that, yeah. that can be sold but they just don't brand them as nfts i think yeah. as soon as you start saying nfts blockchain or digital ownership People start to get suspicious, like, no, but no, no. I, I do, I do sympathize for, uh, for Morris. And, you know, it was really interesting when he was saying how kind of like emotionally hit, attached that he was and how he started replying to tweets about it and then yeah. decided to stop. And it sounds like the communications team over there has had, uh, has had their work cut out for them. Give me um, a call. Hey, can you stop it? <laughs> <laughs> but I am very, very excited to see what comes of this game. I'm excited to see more at the, the summit as well, which will be very cool. Um, so yeah, once again, thank you, Morris, uh, for taking time to chat to us. Yeah, that was an amazing episode, and hopefully we can get some more Rensport content for you guys as it gets closer and closer to the actual release date. But if you're racing in some other games and you're looking for some leagues to race in, maybe you need to change your day or you're just looking for something new, go to goodfinder.com and search for thousands and thousands of leagues that we have available there for you. Or if you're a league owner and you want to fill your grids with extra drivers or just get some new new meat blood meat? that sounds <laughs> meat. weird but anyway does sound weird. so so get some new people up on the grids then go list your league on gridfinder.com as well we'd like to thank our episode sponsor track racer as always we appreciate you putting your belief in us and this episode 45 we are five away from 50 hopefully we can come up with something pretty unique for episode 50 for the for that magic number i guess because it has a zero at the end you know whatever 50 is a magic number right <laughs> But we appreciate you watching or listening, whatever your platform of choice is, and we will see you next week. Thank you. Goodbye.